Hello to all our wedding planning couples. I'm Tara and welcome to the Complete Wedding Planning Podcast. I'm excited to share my creativity and 14 years experience as a professional wedding planner and decorator. And I'm Josh and we're so happy you're joining us for some solid down to earth wedding planning advice that I've accumulated over my 18 years in the industry. We believe that weddings are supposed to be fun and fulfilling, not full of stress and conflict. We are presented by Complete Weddings and Events, your leading provider of photo, video, DJ, photo booth, lighting and coordination services. Visit us at completewedo.com for more information. I'm Tara and welcome to this edition of the Complete Wedding Planning Podcast Live. We have assembled a panel of experts from across Complete Nation to talk about all the heaviest topics weighing on your mind today. And I'm Josh and we are of course presented by Complete Weddings and Events, your leading provider of photo, video, DJ, photo booth, lighting and coordination services. We are so glad that you're joining us for this panel discussion as we celebrate National Wedding Planning Day. Today, our panel will discuss topics in four groups. First is the first steps of wedding planning right after engagement. Then we're gonna get into ways to personalize the wedding day and show your personality. After that, we'll talk about tips for picking the right photographer and videographer for you. And then we're gonna dive into the music. So for this first topic, we're gonna dive into what are the first things that you consider when getting engaged? And I'm joined today by Misty Kingsley from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and Sue Bennett from Des Moines, Iowa. Hi, um, my name is Sue Bennett, and I'm the owner of Complete Weddings and Events in Des Moines. I've been in the event industry for over 10 years, and um, prior to owning Complete Weddings and Events, I worked as a venue manager for over seven years. So I have a great deal of experience um, with regard to wedding venues. I also worked in the food and beverage um, part of events for a little over a year. Perfect. And Misty, if you can introduce yourself. That's right. <laughs> there trying she to get is. Right. Hi there, yeah, I'm Misty Kingsley. I um, own Complete Weddings and Events Milwaukee with my husband. Um, and before that, I come from hospitality world and planning from a venue standpoint from hotels. Perfect. Well, we're going to dive right into one of the first things couples talk about after getting engaged. And that's usually right around the same time that they're picking their date. And what we're talking about is picking their venue. So many options to choose from and usually all the markets that we deal with. And so we're going to go over to Sue and let's talk about what should couples think about when deciding on a venue? Maybe talk about how many venues do you think that they should visit before making that decision? I think it's really important that you visit several venues before making up your mind. It's one of the most important parts of your process and it's one of the first the very first decisions that you're going to make it's it's kind of like choosing your wedding dress you need to try it on for size you need to make sure it checks all the boxes and you need to fall in love with your venue because this is the foundation for a lot of other decisions that you'll be making along the way I recommend you visit um, several even if you think you've fallen in love with the first venue that you visit you don't want to make an impulse decision that's very true. I have seen that happen, and then they may, might just change their mind. 
So when they are going on those venue tours, what are some of the questions that they should be thinking about before actually even scheduling that tour? So I would say that there are several questions that you need to ask yourself. They're based primarily on need, not want. Um, first and foremost is, do you have you selected a date and do they have your date available? So number one is going to be is going to be date driven. Number two, how many guests do you expect are going to attend your wedding? Make sure you start with your maximum number in your mind, because if your venue has a limit, you don't want to exceed it. Not only is it a limit for um, maybe fire codes, but it's also a limit for comfort. And you don't want your guests to be uncomfortable. You don't want to have to make sacrifices later to fit everyone in your space, like cutting, having to cut people from your guest list. Secondly, I think you need to think about your vision or your aesthetic for your wedding. Do you want a rustic wedding or a traditional wedding? Is it important to you to have an indoor outdoor space? Are you looking for a contemporary space or more like a ballroom at a hotel? And then also, do you need to accommodate your ceremony and your reception? If so, make sure that there are separate places for each or at least a separate cocktail space where your guests can reside while they're flipping the room. Also, does the venue staff take care of that for you? Or are you responsible for flipping the space between your ceremony and reception? And then lastly, before you even set up appointments, what is your budget? Be sure to include all the services that you may be receiving with your venues and only you can decide how much you can spend on your wedding. But keep in mind that because this is one of your first decisions, if you do go way over your budget, you will have to make sacrifices in other areas when you're planning. Yes, I know that they say that often your venue is one of the biggest chunks of your budget. So make sure that you allot definitely a good, a good chunk for that um, and all of the things that come with that venue. And so that really kind of brings me to my next question. So I've narrowed down my search. I kind of have maybe, you know, a couple different venues that I want to go tour. And now I'm actually in the facility. I'm meeting with their venue coordinator or sales coordinator. What kind of questions should I be asking during that tour? So once you narrow it down and actually set up your appointments, um, go with a list of questions, including what services do you provide for me? What, um, what is included? Is it tables, chairs, setup, teardown, tablecloths, decor, or do they go as far as including your bar service, your catering, a coordinator, security officers, shuttles? All of those things can sometimes be included as part of your venue rental. The, link, the list can be lengthy or it can be very short and the price will often reflect what's included. And if you do have the resources to provide the services that aren't included with your venue. So think about that when you're asking your questions. When, you get, when do you get in to decorate? And when, how long after your event concludes do you have to clean up and get out? How much of the work do you have to do yourself? You can obviously save money by doing things yourself, but think about the fact that you're going to have to recruit that help. Keep in mind at the end of the night, all of your guests are going to be tired and sometimes intoxicated, and it's not a good idea to expect your family and friends to do all of your cleanup. And what vendors or services does your venue recommend or even require? Do they require a certain catering company, a certain photographer, or a florist, or, or the decor, or even a DJ? So 
keep in mind what they're, what they're requiring you and how much freedom you have to make your own choices about your vendors. And then lastly, where is the closest hotel and overnight accommodations for your guests? Are you wanting to provide transportation? And if not, will they be able to find taxis or Ubers if they need those? Yeah, those are all great things to consider. And when thinking about your budget for your venue, you need to think about what all those amenities might be or what they don't provide, such as, like you said, transportation, that's now going to add to your budget if that's something that you want to do, as well as bringing in outside food and decor and all that stuff. So great points there, Sue. So I've kind of made my decision on what venue I want to do. And I've already kind of talked to, let's say, five other venues. Should I just pick that one and move on? Or what kind of communication should I have with all the venues that I may have been inquiring about? I would say you should always follow up and let your venues know if you've made another decision. And especially don't miss appointments because you think you've made your decision or arrive late to an appointment. Take responsibility for the fact that you have taken up their time and they've often gone out of their way after hours or early in the day to schedule your appointment. Don't assume if you send them an email after hours that they're going to receive your, your notification that you're canceling. And on the same note, if you pull up at a venue and you think you've made up your mind just by first impressions, um, that can be deceiving. So make sure that you take the time to keep your appointments, go inside and talk with the venue owner. If you don't think that it's a good fit for you, they'll respect your honesty and not wasting their time as long as you go to the extra effort to communicate with them. There's just so many options out there. I'm sure you'll have no problem finding your perfect venue. Very true. And that's in like every market that we work with. And as a previous venue coordinator, I can't uh, touch on that enough. Like just communicate with them, whether it's for you or not. And, you know, definitely talk to them about what budget, you know, you're looking into and what they can accommodate. So thank you, Sue, for all of that insight. Well, we are going to switch gears and talk to Misty now about a day of coordinator. And often a coordinator is something that is on top of the list for a lot of couples when they are thinking through their priorities. That date and venue have been secured, and now they want that extra help in figuring out how their day is going to be outlined. So Misty, my first question for you is, what really is the difference between a full service planner and a day of coordinator? Well, it's really in the name. Um, your full service planner is going to start with you in the beginning or wherever you bring them into that process. They're going to help with your vendor selection, even your theme. I mean, they're there for every decision along the way, whereas your day of coordinator is really focused on the day of the event and making sure that that runs smoothly. Your full service planner is going to do that portion as well. But again, they're with you through so much more of the process, whereas your day of coordinator is usually going to come in maybe at that 30-day mark, have a few conversations with you. But really, the bulk of what they're doing for you is on your wedding day. Perfect. And in that same retrospect, what would you say is the difference between a day of coordinator and, say, a venue coordinator? So the venue coordinator, I think, gets confused with a day of coordinator a lot of the time. But the venue coordinator's focus is the venue itself and not necessarily the wedding as a whole. So they may do some coordination with your vendors if it pertains to the event, right? They may coordinate a little bit with caterers, things of that nature, but they're not owning the entire event. They're not making sure that everything from start to finish on the wedding day 
goes as smoothly as possible. And really at the end of the day, their biggest goal is to protect the asset that they're responsible for, which is the venue. And so they might make decisions that protect the venue that are not what you as the couple would want to see. Whereas your day of coordinator that's not associated with the venue is gonna protect your vision and try and do everything they can to make that happen. So some venues, it kind of seems like they're the same thing. And, and there are some where we've even seen that they really kind of are. There are venue coordinators that go that extra mile, but it's just, it's nothing you can guarantee up front because the same venue coordinator may not work there a year from now or six months from now. So really keeping in mind that they're there for the venue and your day of coordinator is there for you. That's a great point, absolutely. So when I'm kind of thinking through whether or not I need a full service planner, a day of coordinator, or if my venue is going to be enough, would what would you say like one of those first questions to ask yourself um, when trying to make that decision? Well, a lot of it comes down to you as the couple that's getting married and what kind of help you think you might need. Um, if you want someone along the way to be a sounding board or help you make decisions or give you suggestions, that's one of the great things about full planners is that they can give you suggestions for vendors. And this is somebody they've used before that you know they've had a great experience with. They've been to so many weddings at various venues that they have a collection of, of resources that come with them. Um, so, so really that's your first question. How involved do you wanna be on making these decisions yourself? And do you want some help? Do you want someone to help relieve that stress all the way throughout? Um, if you like all of those things and you like getting into all those nitty gritty details and you don't want anyone's help, then I would lean more towards a, a day of coordinator um, because they're really gonna, like I said, come in about that 30 day mark and help you with those final details, the final timeline. And then they're there to really pull it all together. Um, but again, if you want more help, the full service planner is really where you need to go. Absolutely. So let's dive into day of coordination. Um, that's obviously near and dear to um, our listeners that follow the podcast to me. So as a day of coordinator, what really would you say are the job duties on the day of that that person's going to take care of? So question because it's everything and, and anything. Um, you know, yes, you're maintaining a timeline. That's one of the most important things. And that means coordinating with all of the different vendors. So catering to photographer, to efficient, to, you know, rounding up the troops. So rounding up the wedding party um, to try and keep on time. That's kind of point number one. Um, but again, the next piece is the, the catering or the vendor coordination piece of it. I mean, it's right in the name, um, making sure you've got contact info. You know, you really become that one point of contact for anybody that has a question. Um, so managing all of that, managing the information. Um, I mean, it, and again, it's anything and everything. So sometimes it's decorating. Sometimes it's helping to clean up. Sometimes it's jumping in and helping to serve food if the wait staff is you know, down a server and somebody didn't show up or helping to cut the cake. All of these things can be things that you do. Um, so really it's just a, a matter of jumping in any which way that you can help. I usually ask people in that planning process, you know, what are the top three things that you want out of the day of coordinator? What do you want out of me? Well, focus on those 
But I often end up jumping in, like I said, every other which way, putting out desserts, helping clear tables, whatever is necessary to make the day run smoothly. It's everything. Yeah, absolutely. It's all those behind the scenes details, your bridal party and family don't want to get stuck doing it all. Uh, and definitely it just it eases the stress on the day so you can enjoy it. So uh, definitely, definitely something to consider. What would one expect to spend um, on a coordinator? And obviously we are talking nationwide with our complete uh, family here today. And so kind of what's the, what's the range, would you say? I think a fair, fair range for a day of coordinators, probably gonna be one to $2,000, depending on where you are. Um, obviously you can get more expensive than that if we're talking about someone that's coming with assistance or, you know, doing a few more meetings up front or helping more on the timeline piece of it. But I think across the country, that's a pretty fair amount for just a day of coordinator. Um, and then of course, once you get into adding any details for full planning, you know, it's kind of the sky's the limit, unfortunately. Yes. Absolutely. Well, that's great advice. I want to thank Misty and Sue uh, for all of this insight on our first topic of what are your first steps during the wedding planning process. I'll take it over, Josh. All right. And thank you, ladies, for kicking this discussion off properly with some great insights. Our next topic, as promised, is personalizing your wedding. And I'm going to be joined by Libby Monroe from St. Louis, Missouri, Cornell Thomas from Salt Lake City, Utah, and Elaine Makusha from Omaha, Nebraska. So welcome. All right, let's meet our panel members, starting with Libby. So Libby, please introduce yourself to the world. Hi, um, I am Libby. Um, as you mentioned, I'm from St. Louis, Missouri. Um, I am the sales and marketing manager for the St. Louis franchise. Um, so I work with a big chunk of our couples, kind of just planning everything, getting things booked um, all the way up until the wedding. Um, and I have been here for about seven years now. Um, I was not in the wedding industry before that. I was actually in the restaurant industry and made a leap over. So I came with no experience except for planning my own wedding, um, planning friends' weddings, and just grew from there. Got it. Thank you very much, and welcome. Glad to have you here. Cornell, tell us about yourself. Hello. Yes. Um, from Salt Lake City, Utah, like you said. Uh, been a DJ for a while and also now own a Complete Weddings event here in Utah, and um, also help manage a wedding venue. So kind of both ends there, but yeah. Love, love helping out people with their wedding for their big day. Excellent, excellent. Elaine, uh, tell us your story. Hi, my name's Elaine. Um, I'm a marketing coordinator in Omaha, Nebraska. Um, and I kind of landed into complete weddings and events right after I graduated college last May. Um, so um, it's been really nice getting to know everyone and seeing the different personalities of uh, the different brides and how they kind of put the, their vision into their wedding. So yeah, that's what I enjoy. All right, let's get right into the personalization. Libby, we'll start with you. You've been in the wedding industry for a while. And so in your experience, what are some of the must-haves for couples getting married in the next couple of years? Um, so I think there is a giant list of must-haves. Um, you know what I mean? I think that most of us can agree things like a DJ, photographer, videographer are always going to be must-haves um, as far as like your vendors go. Um, but a couple things kind of 
different from those main vendors that I think are must-haves. We've already touched on a little bit, um, which is the wedding coordinator. Um, the longer I've been in this business, the longer I've been in this game, I've realized it is hands down something you have to have. Um, you know, as somebody got married about eight, nine years ago myself, um, I had my family running around doing things on my wedding day. And looking back, that's not great. <laughs> my mom should have been able to enjoy my wedding. Um, my aunt should be able to enjoy my wedding. Um, and I think that our, our brides and grooms and couples currently, um, you know, should go in with that thought process of everyone should enjoy your wedding day. Um, and even if your family, if you do kind of think you can count on your family or it's not in the budget, you just don't need that stress on you the day of, of wondering like, did my brother remember to move the floral centerpieces or did my grandma remember to grab all the candles from the ceremony to move to the reception? Hire somebody that you know, that you trust, you've good, read good reviews on and, and put the stress on them instead of you or your family. Um, my second kind of must have a little bit off the beaten path kind of thing to think about is eat. <laughs> um, you know, the, the morning of your wedding, you're rushing around getting ready, hair, makeup, um, you know, getting into your dress and your nerves are maybe kicking in, you may forget to eat. So before the day of, um, have yourself, have your wedding planner, somebody order food for you guys for your wedding party, you know, have it either set for pickup or delivery. So it's not even something you have to think twice about. It's just they're ready to go. Um, it's going to keep everybody in a better mood and it can help us avoid any awkward drunken situations of people not eating and then starting to drink at the wedding. Um, so eat, 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 and then eat at your own wedding. You're paying for that food. You're paying for that cake. Eat it. Enjoy it. Um, whether that's your coordinator grabbing a plate for you and kind of forcing you to sit down and eat it, or whether that's you two just kind of finding some time before you enter into your reception to go off and eat it on your own. Eat food. Um, and then the last um, thing that I always like to touch on is to have fun. I feel like so many brides, grooms go into their wedding day stressed and they're worried about, are we on time? Um, you know, are the flowers going to look right? Is the is seating chart set up? Is the menu ready to go? Don't worry about it. Just have fun, um, eat some food, drink some drinks, make some memories. Um, don't worry about saying hi to everyone. I feel like that's a stigma that a lot of brides and grooms go in with is like, I've got to say hi to everyone. I've got to shake everybody's hands. I've got to give all the hugs, have fun. Don't worry about it. If you forget to say hi to somebody or you don't have time, call them a week or two after the wedding, have a personal conversation with them, maybe go out to lunch with them, give them some attention and some love afterward if you didn't get to on your wedding day. But it's about you. It's about you and your fiance. Have a good time and enjoy it. And don't worry about all of the highs and hellos. <laughs> so it sounds like being present and thinking about what you want your actual job to be on your wedding day are, are really important things you would recommend. Um, do you want your job to be setting up centerpieces or do you want your job to be having fun, right? Right, exactly. Yeah, it shouldn't be work on your wedding day. You should really be able to absorb every moment. Um, you know, it does go by very fast. I know that's very cliche. Everyone says you look back and you don't remember it, but it's true. So try and absorb as much as you can while you're in the moment. Um, and that does mean hiring a coordinator to take on the stress. And that does mean putting yourself first above maybe your second cousins that are there and making sure you're saying hi to them. But make sure it's about you guys and do whatever you want to do. <laughs> so it sounds to me like you're almost recommending a wedding coordinator or a day of coordinator as your number one vendor. Is that the case? <laughs> I 
that's so hard for me because <laughs> I do think like a DJ is also very important. Like if you don't have a good DJ, it could be a lame party, you know? But um, in order for you to really let loose and be able to enjoy what the DJ is doing, I think a coordinator is really important so they can take on a lot of the responsibility for you. Perfect. Last question that I have for you. You talk about the importance of making sure to eat, and I definitely echo that. Make sure that you eat because it could turn it into a long day. You specifically brought up a long day in an awkward, drunken situation. I feel like you maybe have a story about that. Yeah, I mean, so it didn't really get to like a really terrible point, but um, I mentioned I was in the wedding, or I was in the restaurant industry before I was in the wedding industry. So a lot of my friends were from the restaurant industry. And if you know anybody in the restaurant industry, we know how to put it back. We're used to the late nights, we're used to have well, partying, yeah. having a good time. <laughs> so I had to monitor some of uh, my one of my bridesmaids food intake before she could start drinking for the day. Um, it ended up being okay. There was only mild, you know, craziness happening, but um, you know, just again, making sure you feed your bridesmaids, feed your, feed your groomsmen um, so that we're avoiding those awkward situations with the reception. <laughs> yeah. No running to trash cans during the dance. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah. Or um, falling asleep. Uh, my best friend's wedding, we had a groomsman that was, falling asleep with his head on somebody else's shoulder and all of the group pictures so oh god that's great <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're yeah. gonna look back and laugh at it someday but it's probably not going to be on the wedding day so best to avoid stuff like that so, exactly uh, thank, thank you very much Libby and you also mentioned things like the importance of having a great DJ so Cornell I'm going to jump over to you um, what are some of the things that a DJ can do besides play music? Let's say that wedding coordinator is not there. How can the DJ step in in the second half of the day in particular? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, yeah, other than, well, first off, yeah, Josh, if your DJ is just sitting there behind the table, hunkered down with their earphones on, you know, playing music, that's, <laughs> that's not a good thing. You might have all just plugged in an iPod, right? An iPhone or something. Um, but yeah, your DJ should be interacting with your guests. Um, and yeah, if they don't have a coordinator too, they should be helping run the timeline, uh, making, you know, making announcements at the appropriate time, getting everyone directed over towards the cake or over towards, you know, the uh, bouquet toss or garter toss. And so, yeah, they're just, they're there to help and, and help everyone have a good time. Um, they should be greeting your guests, talking to your guests. Um, how can we know, how can the DJ, you know, what to play later on if they're not talking to your guests and figuring out what kind of music they like? Um, but yeah, I, they should be doing... A lot of stuff, a, a playlist is very easy to set up for DJ. Um, they, I mean, they do need to get that back there occasionally, uh, but a, a lot of times they should be out in front of the table too, talking to your guests and interacting and making sure everything's going on, going forward. Yeah, I certainly know from uh, being of a complete DJ background myself, if you're not doing some of those things, those, uh, those spot checks by a manager could be a kind of rough night. So what are, what are some other ways that the DJs can interact? I mean, are there games with the crowd, things like that, that can, that can help out and keep the mood fun? For sure, yes. Um, I think one of the funnest things about being a DJ is playing games with the crowd, interacting with them on that, on that bigger level, um, whether it be trivia, family, kind of family feud, but wedding style. Um, there's, like, there's a game called Survivor um, that most our complete DJs know playing, you know, almost like a musical chairs versus like a kind of a scavenger hunt combined into one but yeah just lots of games um interaction anything like that is always fun for the dj for sure but also fun for the crowd sometimes during dinner dinners can be an hour hour and a half long kids get bored adults get bored you know and uh, i think those games can help 
liven up that that timing for sure. Got it. So take care of those children and adults acting like children. So let's yeah. say we get into the dance time, which is really the, the feature of the DJ. This is the party. What are the ways that a DJ can take the extra step to make sure the party's fun? Uh, yeah, so there's a few different things. Um, a, they should be taking requests, um, helping out, you know, not just playing what the DJ's favorite song is, right? And uh, I know our complete DJs are good at taking requests, talking to people, getting what they want to hear. Um, line dances, line dances, everyone loves line dances at weddings and um you know boot scoot and boogie cha-cha slide cupid shuffle the wobble um but sometimes you know you go to weddings like once or twice a year sometimes and uh you might be a little rusty on them so if your dj can get out there and teach them as well i think that's that's awesome uh complete weddings events i know djs they do that they get out there they teach the line dances make sure people know them go through the dance moves at least once so people feel comfortable doing it um so they don't look too rusty out there um but yeah it's, it's, yeah, there's lots of things like that that the DJ can do to, to spice up the dancing time rather than just hit and play on a song every, every couple of minutes, so. Perfect, and definitely have to mention Tara's favorite dance, the Copperhead Road. I think she'd whack us upside the head if we didn't bring that up when we're talking about line dances. So thanks for uh, talking about the ways that the DJ can help keep the party going. And yeah, uh, next question, we're gonna, we're gonna jump to Elaine here. One of the things that Libby was pretty specific about that I thought was great was the importance of eating. And that was based on from the couple standpoint, but you also have a big group of people that you have to feed as well. And really it comes down to two choices for the most part, which is a self-service buffet or a plated menu. What are the things couples should consider when they're making that decision? Oh yeah, um, choosing uh, your food for the wedding can get a little uh, hectic, but um, yeah, the plated and buffet definitely have different um, vibes that they kind of give off. So you have to kind of think of what you want your wedding to be like. So if you're thinking of having more of an upscale event, you're going to lean towards more a plated dinner. And then um, if you're thinking more of a casual wedding night, buffet will probably be a better bet for, for you. Um, and then another thing to consider is the ease for your guests. Um, so with a buffet, obviously the guests have to get up and follow the directions of when they have to go get their food and like wait in line and kind of serve themselves. Um, and then with plated, obviously the guests stay seat seated and then servers are helping them along. But um, it definitely helps to have um, a thought out system. And um, especially another thing to consider is with COVID right now, um, when it comes to buffet, like are you should ask your caterer, are you, are they going to be serving themselves at the buffet line, or are servers going to be there, kind of helping that along to just kind of like slow down um, the chances of that spread in that case? Um, yeah. Got it. So, does budget play into this decision? I mean, it sounds like um, the upscale you mentioned plated. So is it a safe assumption that a plated dinner is probably going to cost more than a buffet or what are the considerations to have from that standpoint? Um, yeah, it really kind of depends. Actually, it depends on the food you're getting. And uh, but more than likely, um, your plated dinner is definitely going to be more expensive than the buffet. Um, that could, that's because it not only accounts for the food, but also the servers that are going to be working that night, going from table to table, giving everyone their food. Um, but yeah, in a smaller 
budget wedding, the buffet will work because the food is more um, streamlined and um, kind of just works for everyone. So what about guest count? Is guest count going to make any difference when you're making a decision between a plated buffet or, uh, or a plated dinner or a buffet? I know you mentioned the number of servers can come into a factor. Talk about that a little bit more. Right. Um, with the guest count, it's, it can kind of be like pros and cons for both. Um, with the guest count, if you decide to do buffet, you also have to think about um, how you're going to separate that amount of time of them having to go up and get that food. Um, so if there's more, I mean, I would say do a plated dinner because uh, the servers might be able to get to them faster than everyone having to, having to wait for everyone to go up to that buffet line. Got it. One more thing to consider is food allergies in your guests. So do you have any mm -hmm. recommendations for how a couple can not only document what food allergies they need to be taking care of, and then would you recommend a buffet or a plate of dinner one way or the other when, when you're thinking about things like that? Yeah, for sure. Um, when it comes to allergies and kind of things like that, the best way to, uh, to get that information is through your, uh, uh, your invitations and RSVPs. So um, whether it's online or in the letter, you could put a line that says, uh, tell us your allergies or anything that we should consider when um, with your food and then kind of um, talk over that with your caterer. You kind of go over that before your wedding so that they know what things they should avoid. Got it. But the most important thing is to make sure to document that. Right, exactly. Perfect. I'm going to throw one more wild card at you. This is probably a combination of a buffet and a uh, plated type of dinner food trucks. Yes. Uh, what are your, what are your thoughts on that? Oh, I really like food trucks. I feel like they're a fun addition to the wedding night. Um, I feel like they're kind of unexpected because sometimes desserts can, can kind of not be as fun, but a food truck can be a fun way to spice up the night and kind of add a different aspect of food to the night. So, yeah. Got it. Bottom line, um, last statement that I'll, that I'll just get your take on. Uh, the guests are being fed, so really right. just make sure that you feed people a good meal and don't necessarily stress as much about the method, correct? Exactly. Everyone just wants to eat food, so it doesn't really matter which way they're eating it. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Well, thank you to Elaine, Libby, and Cornell for uh, that segment on personalization. Back to you, Tara. Perfect. There are definitely tons of ways that you can personalize your wedding day. And I spend lots of time with my clients when we are going through that planning process. And so I know the options are unlimited. So yes, thank you for expanding all that. DJ can definitely make or break your party. You have to have great food and a wedding coordinator is going to keep you organized. So definitely think through all of that. Our next topic, we are going to be talking about photo and video. And I'm joined by Kathy Boyce from Springfield, Missouri. Joe Lindner from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and Rachel Gage from Grand Rapids, Michigan. Hello, everyone. Hello. Hello. Perfect. Well, let's go ahead and introduce our panel. Kathy, we'll start with you. Tell us a little about you. Hi, I'm Kathy Boyce. I'm from the Springfield, Missouri franchise. Um, I've been working here at Complete for eight years. Um, I started as a subcontractor photographer, and then I worked my way up to the media manager, and I've been in the industry for 15. Perfect. And go ahead, Joe. 
yeah, hi, I'm uh, Joe. I'm with the Milwaukee branch. Um, I've been with Complete now for about six years, uh, pretty much. Uh, spent about 10 years in the video business, uh, doing business video and documentaries. Um, and I just love working with couples, uh, being able to help tell their stories. Perfect. And Rachel. Hi, I'm Rachel Gage. I'm uh, from Grand Rapids. And I've been in the wedding industry for about five years now. I'm doing photography. I recently started doing um, social media and sales for the Grand Rapids franchise as well. So um, getting a little more used to everything wedding other than photography. Um, but yeah, I love it. Before I started doing weddings, I had never been to one in my life. So it was definitely a great uh, experience and yeah, just a lot of fun to learn all about it. Perfect. Well, Cassie, we're going to let you start off. And we know that photography is one of the most important vendors a couple will hire. So let's go into what some of the couples should consider when hiring a photographer. Sure, that's a great question. So I think one of the first things that you need to think about is um, what editing style you're looking for. Um, there's so many different editing styles out there from true to color, light and airy, vintage, dark and moody, um, that you kind of want to look through and see what you like and what you don't like. Um, another thing to keep into consideration is, do you think that you're going to love these photos in 15 years whenever these styles come and go? Um, we all know that about, you know, 20 years ago, there was the selective color and we probably, most of us look back on and wonder why the roses are red and the rest of them are black and white. <laughs> Um, so that's one of the first things you could think of. Um, another thing is shooting style. So not all photographers shoot the same. Um, there's photojournalistic, which is pretty much just like straight candids. Um, traditional way of shooting is a mix of both candids as well as pose. So you're going to get the pretty pose pictures as a couple and the family, but you're also going to get those candid moments during the reception and the ceremony and interacting um, in between. Um, editorial is like fashion. Um, it's a lot of lighting, um, a lot of posing. It's going to take an incredible amount of time to capture your images in that way. And then fine art, um, that is shooting with film. Um, it's going to be kind of hard to come by, but with some research, you might be able to find some film photographers in your area. Um, after that, you need to start doing your research. Um, you need to look at photographers' websites and portfolios in your area and narrow it down. I would recommend making a list of like your top 10 favorites um, and starting to reach out to them after that and setting up meetings so that way you could get the details of packages and what's included in everything. And then after you do your research and have your meetings, um, you need to narrow down your photographers um, and see what's on point with your budget, as well as who did you vibe with? You're going to be spending all day with your photographers. So you need to make sure that you had a good experience and you connect one-on-one -on -one with them because they're such an intricate part of your day. Absolutely. I, I can't uh, chime in more about that vibing with them. They are really, 
they're in close proximity, sometimes even more than your wedding coordinator because they are demanding a lot of things from you for a great amount of time. So great advice there. Well, let's dive into kind of the photo schedule because I know that that is very important when a couple is kind of considering what their flow of their day is going to look like. So can you elaborate what goes into a photography schedule? Yeah. So I uh, never recommend tackling a schedule on your own. (laughs) Um, It's something that you really need to work hand in hand with your photographer or coordinator if you have one. Um, So the first thing that you need to kind of talk about is, are you going to do a first look or are you not? So a first look, for those of you that don't know, is seeing each other prior to the ceremony. It's an intimate moment between you and your spouse. Um, where without a hundred eyes watching you, that you see each other for the first time. If you do a first look, then you get to do as many pictures prior that you want to. Now, not all couples want to um, go that non-traditional route. So if you do want to be traditional, um, we are going to have to take pictures before and after. So the rule of thumb, depending on how many bridesmaids or groomsmen is in your bridal party, is you're going to need anywhere between 30 minutes and an hour for the bride and the bridesmaids and the grooms and the groomsmen ahead of time. So let's just say two hours. Um, So that way you could get the groom with each groomsman, the groom with all the groomsmen and the groom by himself, vice versa with the bride and her bridesmaids. So after the ceremony, though, I like to think of it as a 20-20-20 rule. The minimum a photographer needs um, is 20 minutes for the family to take pictures of, and that's immediate. So only grandparents, parents, and siblings, and like nieces and nephew. Um, And then 20 minutes with the bridal party altogether, and 20 minutes for the bride and groom. Um, it's not idea, ideal, but we need to be respectful that your guests are waiting for us. So that's a, a key um, thing to think about is, you know, how long are the guests going to have to wait? Um, but an hour is pretty traditional um, for the guests to be waiting until the pictures are done. And then we'll sneak out during the reception to do golden hour pictures um, while your guests are eating and stuff for about 15, 20 minutes as well. Um, if you do a first look, though, you could take care of all of those pictures minus golden hour um, prior to the ceremony, and we could get straight to partying. Absolutely. I, I definitely agree with you that try not to make your guests wait more than an hour. And uh, those golden hour pictures are obviously uh, something to look back on. So really try to consider that into your timeline. 100%. Well, let's, let's think about uh, the budget of a wedding photographer. And definitely they say about 15% of your budget goes towards your photography, which is, you know, the one thing that you have to remember your wedding day by. And so what would you say to expect when you are thinking about um, photography packages and whatnot? Sure. So the Na in 2021 um, did some um, research and came up with an average nationwide um, so the average is 2,500 for um, a photographer. With complete, our packages nationwide range between 1,395 and 4,000. 
Now, that seems like a crazy range, but uh, it's a lot of different markets. It's a lot of different packages, and each package has different things that will be in it. So I would say that that lower end is probably only like a three to five hour package. Um, here in the Springfield area, in Springfield, Missouri, most of the photographers start out about $2,000 and go up from there for the packages. Um, the big thing that you need to pay attention to is what is included and make sure you're comparing apples to apples. Because um, you may see that, you know, one photographer is 2000 one is um, 3000 Well, that $3,000 package may be their base package, but it comes with two photographers instead of one. So they've got more um, costs because they're having to pay for that second shooter, or maybe it's coming with product. So you really need to um, decide what's important to you and what is a must have um, when you're looking for your photo packages. And then if you do have room in your budget to add on some things that you wanted, then uh, that's awesome. Yeah, all great points there. And so there's there's a theme in a lot of our podcasts. Do your research and communicate about what your wants and needs are. So absolutely. Well, Joe, we're going to turn it over to you as we talk about videography. And in my opinion, video is top notch, one of the most important things right next to your photography. It really is what gives you couples the live emotion of your wedding day. And so I want you to elaborate on that, Joe, kind of what is the big difference between your photo and your video? Yeah, yeah, of course. Well, thank you, first of all. Um, I'd like to say, you know, obviously photo is a very important way to remember the wedding day, but of course video, I think even more so is that dynamic way to really bring those memories to life. And, you know, one thing I always talk about when I'm out shooting with couples and a lot of the times I get a chance to talk with them after they've already booked, obviously, cause I'm there shooting with them. But you know, these wedding days happen so fast. Everything happens so quickly from all that planning work that you put in the months, maybe even years um, to get to this point. And you want a good way to remember, to remember that. And I think like video gives you that, that ability to play that back in five years, not only just see the pictures of the dress or reread the vows, but actually hear them said um, and see it all happen live. Um, so I think it's definitely an important addition to when you're considering um, planning for your wedding. Yeah. And when you think about a wedding video, um, even I, I got married 10 years ago and my wedding video is probably a good hour long video that my husband rolls his eyes every time I say we're going to watch it on our anniversary, but he does it anyways. He grabs the popcorn and we're doing this. And so now I know that wedding videos have completely changed into what that dynamic is, mainly because of the social media realm. And so dive into kind of what the difference is between videos back in the day and videos now. Yeah, yeah, no, of course. Uh, technology obviously has changed a lot since, um, you know, even 10 years ago, the tech, the cameras that we shoot with, um, the way we're able to share that obviously now with, like you mentioned, social media sites like YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, Snapchat, all of those are, are great ways to share. And obviously with our smartphones, making video an even more important part of life. But yeah, the videos nowadays definitely have become, uh, you know, more highlight oriented in that kind of five to 10 minute range, really trying to give you the full encompass of the day, something that you can share with your friends on social media, look back obviously on the anniversary. 
um, and maybe not have to sit through the whole one hour tape, you know, put it in the VCR or, or whatever. <laughs> um, Perfect. Well, I'm definitely not old enough for the VCR part of my video. We definitely had a DVD, but I totally get your point there. So let's talk about cost of video, because obviously when I talk about 15% of the budget often goes to photo. Some people do split that budget to cover photo and video, and some people add additional costs to go for their video. So what would uh, our listeners kind of expect when it comes to video costs? Yeah, most definitely. You know, obviously video costs can vary based on a lot of factors. Um, you know, really, when we talk about the average cost of a professional wedding videographer, it comes in around 1800 um, But uh, the range really can vary, you know, 1500 all the way up to maybe even 10000 if you really want to get to the extra level. Obviously, though, you know, the more you add, the more, uh, you know, the costs grow. And there's a lot of things to consider when you're planning for that and that create those kinds of costs, most definitely. So you talk about things that you can add to your video. What are some elements uh, that couples can think about that they would want to add into just their typical video package? Yeah, yeah. You know, obviously on top of the standard planning operations, you know, when it comes to creating a wedding video, obviously, you know, you need to think about, you know, when is your wedding? Are you having it during peak season, not peak season? A lot of things can uh, impact the style and how we shoot. Um, you know, when it comes to the actual creative side of planning for a wedding video, you know, I tell couples, think about how you want to be involved. You know, it's a very active, making a wedding video becomes a very active exercise. You know, photos, you know, we show up and we take pictures with the camera, but with a video, uh, the best products come when the couples buy in. And, you know, what I, what I mean by that is really just encouraging couples to think about things like creating um writing their vows uh, down and reading them for the camera or creating love letters or other little things that we can do to kind of elevate their video to the next level, most definitely. Great. And I know that we obviously have things that they can add in, such as, you know, two shooters, one doing, you know, full ceremony video and a highlight video, drone footage, all those kinds of different things. One thing that um, a lot of couples kind of, you know, talk about um, when they are, you know, talking about through their, their video and what that end product is, is how much involvement do you think couples should be on what they want their final product to look like as far as, you know, what do they want to include in that footage? Uh, yeah, you know, so obviously when it comes to planning the video process, you know, I encourage couples to really think about, you know, what all you want to have covered, you know, what is most important to you about your day um, and, and telling that story. Obviously, um, obviously, we love to tell couples, um, you know, think about, uh, think about the people that are important, the moments that are important, and, and then we try to plan around those, definitely. Yep, that's perfect. And obviously a great video, you know, with us, we're including that audio. And so making sure that you have good audio for your vows and your toast so that those can be included. One thing that I find with audio um, comes into play when I have clients um, sitting in front of me, they're like, well, you know, my grandpa has a cell phone, we're going to put it on a tripod, and that's how we're going to record our day. Can you talk a little bit about what that experience looks like and what that end product's going to be when you have something just like that? And then, you know, when you are actually working with a professional, it's going to give you an edited video. 
Yeah, yes, yes, certainly. There's a huge quality difference, obviously, when we talk about sticking a, a cell phone on a tripod in the back of a church and capturing those moments. Obviously, you want to make sure when you're when you're going back and watching your wedding video um, that you can obviously hear everything well with professional audio equipment. You don't want to have to, you know, track down grandpa, aunt and uncle, find all those video clips, try to stick that together yourself. Uh, when you work with uh, a company, a professional company to put together your video, not only are they going to help you um, by working with the DJ to get the sound that you need, uh, working with the officiants to make sure that we can mic everybody up and get clean audio, um, making sure that we're working with the venue so that we can be in the place that we need to be at the right time. Um, and then obviously when it comes to then putting that all together after the day is over, you know, adding the music, uh, really adding that style and, and really creating, you know, the highlight video itself, or in some cases, a longer video if you want it. <laughs> yeah. So definitely making sure it's a video that somebody wants to watch over and over again and relive your wedding day. Great topic, Definitely. Sarah. We always say here that wedding video is not necessarily for today, but it's for tomorrow, for you to remember the day, for you to relive those moments with the people that may have passed on, or like I'm doing now, sharing with my children. So thank you for that insight on video. Well, Rachel, we're going to head over to you now and talk about the experience with your creative staff, being those videographers and photographers. And so how involved on a wedding day should you expect your creative staff to be? Um, I would say going back to um, kind of what Cassie mentioned earlier, how like the photographer is with you, um, you know, for, throughout your entire day and maybe even possibly more involved than your coordinator um, in some face-to-face -face aspects. Um, and the same goes for videographer. So you just have to expect to be very involved with them. I mean, in my experiences, I have pinned plenty of boutonnieres on the groomsmen and the groom. Um, I have bustled dresses. I have helped try and get stains out of things. Um, I've even powdered some brides in like their armpit area or other areas that might get sweaty. Like you get real up close and personal. Um, I always try to make it a challenge and I let them know this as well, um, that I will learn their entire wedding party, however large, um, all of their names um, by the end of the day. Um, and I make it kind of like a game. Um, but yeah, so you, you should expect them to be very, very involved. Um, and I definitely would say like asking questions is a really good thing. Um, so I've had a lot of uh, bride and grooms, they get up to cut the cake and they look at me and they go, what are we supposed to do? Like, you know, cake cutting is something that they're expected to do. It's on their timeline. But um, most of the time you, when you're at other weddings watching people cut their cakes, you know, you're not really understanding, you know, how to cut it, how to pose, that sort of thing. Um, so definitely just like um, keeping in mind that um, your creative staff has done a lot of weddings and they've probably experienced way more weddings than um, you ever will. And um, definitely asking questions and just expecting them to um, be able to help you with that is something to keep in mind. Um, and then I would also say that it's great to remember that um, they're there for usually eight or plus hours and it's really nice to involve them in things. So just inviting them into your day to just laugh with you, swap stories with you. Um, you know, if you have like some snacks laid out for your wedding party, just being like, hey, you know, like you can have a donut too. We love that. So um, just definitely makes the day more enjoyable for everyone involved. Yes, 
I am never one to say no to a donut. Uh, so I get you there. No, I often tell the clients that aren't looking to hire a wedding coordinator to rely on their photo and video staff to be those directors um, outside of the DJ, especially during that picture time and ceremony time when the DJ is not there to keep the flow of the day. You guys are definitely people to, to help them throughout those process. So that's great. So what should a couple potentially provide for their photographer and videographer on the actual day of the wedding? Um, so I would definitely say a um, wedding day timeline. And this goes beyond the um, photo video timeline that you might make with your coordinator or photographer. Um, but the timeline of what time you want them to be there to at the hotel for your getting ready photos, um, what time you want um, the cake cutting to happen. Sometimes the first dances come before the toast. Um, I did a wedding last year where um, they did the first dances before dinner even, which is super unusual, but because I was um, informed ahead of time of the timeline and the adjustments that way, um, I was able to smoothly, you know, just continue taking those photos without being taken by surprise. So definitely a um, day of timeline of just what that looks like from getting ready to the ceremony to the reception um, and then being able to recognize that, you know, sometimes timelines don't always follow where they're supposed to be, but helping to push that along as much as um, you can, especially if there isn't a wedding coordinator. Um, a shot list is also important. Um, most photographers and videographers kind of go in knowing what they're going to take photos of, right? You've already looked at their styles, you've already looked at, you know, how they shoot, but certain things like you want a photo with your childhood best friend, and that's not something that they're going to have on the top of their head. So just coming in with like you and Nana want a photo together, um, or specific things like I always encourage brides to share a Pinterest account and then pointing out the must-have photos from that. Um, if you want to recreate a really elaborate wedding party photo or just adhering to the style of that, um, but definitely just kind of having a list of um, like a checklist. Um, this is especially important for family photos when you have uh, large families. So beyond your immediate family, but you want aunts and uncles and cousins, um, we're not going to know the names of everyone there. So getting a list to be able to kind of yell out, all right, you know, I need Uncle Kim over here and that sort of thing, like, um, definitely can be helpful. And that kind of goes into also just um, having someone's uh, contact that you can maybe even chat with before the wedding, but definitely um, know who they are there. Just someone who, whether it's a parent or a friend or the maid of honor, um, who knows um, everyone there, knows their name so that you can look at that list and um, they know who to go grab for that photo. Because you go in there and you're not gonna know, um, you're gonna see all these new faces and you're definitely not going to be able to just know who they are. So having that person that you can turn to um, that isn't the bride or groom who's um, already standing in the middle and you're telling them, don't move, don't move. I have you where I need you to be, you know. So just having that um, someone you can turn to and just say, hey, like, you know who so-and-so is. Can you go grab them? Um, so that's definitely helpful as well. Yes. You mean you don't try to memorize every wedding party or every family member, just the wedding party? <laughs> wedding party is about as, as much as my memory can go. So. Yeah. I often tell clients, I might remember everybody's name by 9 p.m., but that's stretching it. So that's awesome. Well, what is the best way to ensure that they are going to have a great experience with their photographer and videographer? Um, definitely just outside of like providing all of those things to make sure that things 
um, are that everyone's on the same page and things are running smoothly, um, you really want to trust them. So like talking with them beforehand is great to just build up and know that like you trust what they're going to bring. Everything has been communicated um, and you don't have the stress of will these turn out, will these not turn out. Um, most creatives will come with uh, backup kits of like umbrellas if it rains um, or even things like bobby pins and safety pins to just um, really help make sure that like, you know, everything is going the way that you want it to go. Um, and then introducing them, your creative staff to the other vendors, like the DJs and uh, the, the videographers that might be there if they're not from the same company. It's definitely helpful when you hire um, people from the same company as they have worked with them before and kind of know how it flows. So you're not during the ceremony running into the videographer that you may not know um, or kind of trying to figure things out last minute. Um, but definitely just giving them the opportunity to meet them beforehand if they don't previously know them so that they talk about like, hey, um, I'll stand on this side if you stand on this side and making sure you go high. Just letting them know it complete the shot, uh, the shot list. Or um, if you're just exhausted and need some water and need a break from photos. Like sometimes you, um, as a creative, I have to kind of gauge and notice that they're looking pretty tired. Like they don't want to do this anymore. And the last thing I want to do is stress them out. So I'm like, it's okay. We can take a break. You know, I'm, I'm caught up in my job and, you know, following this. So just um, communicating with them what your needs are. And then um, they will respectfully follow that and just, um, be glad that you communicated that with them. Um, and then that's the same goes for like, if you're uncomfortable in front of the camera or if you need extra help with posing, um, anything like that, just letting them know. So they're aware um, ahead of time or the day of, um, and just remembering that they're gonna be a huge part of your big day. So you want to be comfortable with them and just be happy with everything. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for all three of you for that great insight. Uh, again, photo and video is very important on your wedding day. Take that into account. Josh, back to you. All right. Yes. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for the amazing photo and video insight that you provided. So while we are in the home stretch and our last topic is all about the music, which is near and dear to me. So for this topic, I am joined by Alex Antione from Houston, Texas, Brandon Wofford, who like Tech Nine, was born and raised in KC Mo, and also Jordan Sweet from Peoria, Illinois. Hello. All right. So, Alex, why don't you introduce yourself first? My name is Alex. Uh, I started in this industry as a DJ in Louisiana and Baton Rouge um, with Complete around eight years ago now at this point. And uh, since then, I've moved to Houston. Uh, I became the owner of Complete Houston in early 2020, and I've been doing it here since then. All right, Brandon, tell us about yourself. So I started DJing about 16 years ago. Uh, just started as a part-time deal and then became a passion. And then uh, as of this July, I will be taking over ownership of the Kansas City franchise. Got it. All right, Jordan, uh, tell us about yourself. <clears throat> Yeah, absolutely. Um, I started 
the industry, I guess, professionally um, when I was about 18. So it's been about seven years ago. Um, I was an amateur DJ. I started DJing when I was actually 14 in my hometown of Paris, Illinois, and uh, been managing our central Illinois area here for about four years now. So uh, it's been a great experience. I'd say probably my favorite thing is working with couples, you know, around my age in that early 20s to, uh, to uh, you know, early 30s, trying to navigate this process of planning because it is a lot. They go through a lot um, trying to figure that out. So I really enjoy that. Rock and roll. All right, Alex, let's jump in with the first topic that we have. We're talking about first dance music and we're going to get really romantic in this situation. So do you have any good romantic music suggestions or ways for couples to tackle if they're looking for that really romantic first song? Absolutely. I uh, made a list of 15 um, traditionally romantic songs that you can use for a first dance with the help of my wife and with what clients of ours have used in the past. Um, to start out with uh, a name that any DJ is very familiar with for first dances, uh, All of Me by John Legend. Um, kind of cliche at this point, uh, so to do another John Legend song that is just as romantic but not as popular of a choice, uh, Conversations in the Dark, which is a personal favorite of mine. Um, up next, another name that has been extremely popular uh, with all the first dances, uh, spotlight dances at weddings is Ed Sheeran, uh, who has songs Thinking Out Loud, um, also perfect by him. It seems like every time he releases an album, he's got like two or three songs that really feature heavy play in a uh, first dance uh, for couples. Uh, moving in, uh, we're from Texas, so I've got to mention some country uh, options. Uh, Blessed by Thomas Rhett has been popular lately. Um, Amazed by Lone Star and Oldie But Goodie. Uh, Speechless by Dan and Shay, another more recent one that is uh, very popular and very romantic. Um, if I Ain't Got You by Alicia Keys up next, uh, obviously a classic and is extremely romantic. Um, into the more indie side, um, I Will Follow You Into the Dark by Death Cab for Cutie. Um, another old classic, Here and Now by Luther Vandross. Um, a newer song, uh, Probably the newest one on the list, I think, is uh, Beyond by Leon Bridges, which is one of the more upbeat ones on the list, but uh, very sweet, very romantic. Um, back to some classics, Endless Love by Lionel Richie with Diana Ross. Uh, Can't Help Falling in Love by Elvis Presley. Uh, Make You Feel My Love by Adele, or there's also a Garth Brooks version of that song, um, if you are interested in the country. And then finally, uh, my personal pick for the most romantic song is At Last by Etta James. Uh, basically just like when those violins start at the beginning, it kind of sets the mood and just really that one and all the classics, like they're just really how timeless the songs are really just adds to how romantic they feel really. So in your opinion, when you're picking a first dance, is timeless the most important thing to consider? Not so much. I would personally say uh, these are all traditionally romantic songs, but really any song can be romantic between the couple, even if it's not a like a traditional love song, like any song that has a meaning between the couple can be an extremely romantic first dance, even if it's a, something as silly as like any other random song that isn't traditionally thought of as romantic like these. So pick a song that's definitely you is what you think is the most important thing. Yeah, definitely. It's something that uh, 
really you and your significant other identify with or mean something between y'all. It's really, that's the most romantic thing because the whole day is about you two coming together. Got it. So you mentioned that you had a little help putting that list together. What was your first dance song? We, uh, me and my wife actually danced to uh, Somebody to Love by Queen. Uh, she, she loves Queen and we wanted something super upbeat and uh, fun, really. Got it. Perfect. All right. We're going to move on to Brandon because he's going to be talking about first dances as well. And I think you're going to get into some of the ways that you can personalize the first dance. But what are your thoughts when it comes to selecting that first dance song? All right. I think there's, you know, three points that you kind of want to consider when you're selecting your first dance song. Um, so are you looking at doing a first dance song because it's tradition and you have to do it? Um, so that would be the big question, right? Like I have to do this first dance because it's tradition and I have to do it. But but I like to say it's your wedding. Uh, you want to make it your wedding. And if you don't want to do it, don't do it. Uh, you know, yes, obviously it's a tradition. Yes, it helps with the flow of the evening to kind of say to your guests, now the dance floor is open versus just the DJ kind of going into the dancing part of the night. Um, but if the first dance isn't something that you want to do, but want to follow that tradition, you can always dance to a short song or ask the DJ to cut it after a minute or so or something of that nature. So that's what a lot of couples that, you know, I sit down with that say, hey, we really don't want to do it, but we but we need to for the tradition's sake. Then I definitely suggest some of those types of things from that standpoint. Or or you can say, OK, well, let's do your dance, the parents dance, everybody all at the same time. And then it's kind of a big first dance altogether. Um, and then there's the other options. So are you wanting to do more of a TikTok phase, you know, choreographed from the funny side evolution of dance? Um, so maybe you're the couple that's known for being the dancers at the party. Um, and so if this is you, this is going to be kind of a mashup of songs that, that maybe you guys love and so forth that, that you choreograph dances to. Um, you know, and the DJ can make this happen. Um, it really just depends on your comfort level when it comes to dancing in front of crowds. And then kind of the last type of dance or something to think about when it comes to the first dance is, are you looking for more of a coordinated formal dance? So do you want to hire an instructor to help you plan this formal dance? Uh, is it something that you want to invest the time in to go to somebody and learn how to do whatever dance it is you want to do? Um, so this would be something that was maybe on the more elegant side of the night uh, versus the TikTok dances and stuff. Or it could be for those couples who never have really been the dancers, but they really want to do a first dance. And so they're going to go to a professional uh, dance teacher to teach them how to do those first dance. So that's just kind of some of the things that they come to mind when thinking about your first dance. So it sounds like a lot of that's a, a, a personal choice that you make with your spouse as to how far you want to take things and, and whether you want to just kind of stand in a circle and be in the spotlight and enjoy the moment or if you want to put some more choreography into it. Is there anything else that you would, you would say to advise couples who are thinking about whether or not they want to do the more extravagant thing? What would you, what would you say to a couple that's trying to decide? I mean, just really think about how you want the night to flow. You know, are you looking for that more you know, maybe that plated dinner with the, 
formal dance with the spotlight type dance? Or are you looking more for the laid back, just having a good time, um, you know, just let your hair down type night? Now, that's not saying that you can't do both of those, um, regardless of what you do. But, you know, some people are going to know from the get go, this is what I want. This is what I prefer. Um, you know, and at the end of the day, I tell everybody this too. You know, you may pick a three minute song and you may think three minutes is a long time. But when you're there with your spouse or anybody else, like if you're there with your mother or your father, that three minutes flies by so fast that you don't even realize the three minutes is gone. So it follows that same wedding cliche that the day moves really fast. And if you don't take time to just absorb yourself into the moment, you're going to you're going to miss things and you're going to be really happy you had that video in those pictures. Absolutely. Got it. And uh, it sounds like the last thing that you're saying is don't force it. Just do whatever comes naturally to you and your relationship. Absolutely. Cool. Anything else to say before we uh, bounce over to Jordan? No, I think I about covered it all. Got it. Perfect. All right. So Jordan, moving on to you and your experience as a professional DJ, what are some of the traditions that when it comes to the music that you feel a couple should incorporate into their big day? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's there's so many traditions when it comes to the day that, that most couples kind of know about from just going out to weddings, whether that's the, the first dance like we just talked about, the cake cuttings, uh, parents' dances, bouquet garters, things like that. Um, since we kind of know some of those, I, I wanted to hit on maybe some, some non-traditional things or, or things just to think about in the planning. Um, I always advise my couples to, to kind of sit down and when they're, they're making their playlist for the DJ, they're thinking about the music for the night you know, grab a glass of wine, sit down together and start to think about what um, in your lives kind of brought you to this day and your culture and values as people. And I think that's important to incorporate into the day. Um, so what I mean by that is, you know, um, for your individual families, um, I know for my family, uh, a little bit country here in central Illinois and any wedding that we're going to, it's family tradition um, uh, by Hank Williams. And uh, that's something that, that's going to be played probably at my wedding one day because it happens at each and every wedding. So uh, I think you need to, to kind of look at some of those things. Definitely shouldn't do something that you're not comfortable with or you don't like or feels cheesy and doesn't fit what you're looking for. Um, then throw it out. But uh, I think you should make it a point to honor your friends and family and, and kind of your, your past and things that have brought you to that day. Um, the other thing to touch on is, um, you know, religious celebrations. And uh, one of my favorites, and it's really fun to do at weddings that I've did, is uh, for our Jewish friends, the Hora. Um, that is great, where you get, you know, up in the chair and uh, we're dancing on the, on the floor. And that, those are um, definitely important things to incorporate. Um, another fun one is Greek life. Um, any of our Greek life people, we've done plenty of weddings with, you know, sororities and fraternities and uh, working in some of your traditions from those college days. Um, more than likely, you're going to have a lot of your college friends in attendance. And as a DJ, it's fun to have that energy on the floor. It can really kick off a great night when you work in some of those traditions um, from the, the Greek days. And, um, you know, uh, not to take it to a sad note, but also honoring family members that uh, are no longer with you. If they had a, a favorite song or something that they would do with weddings, or maybe they were a huge dancer on the floor, you know, making it a point to honor them, I think is important as well. Um, your DJ should have some great ideas on how to respectfully you know, make that moment happen, but also segue out of it and get the energy back up for your party, um, which I think is important. But bottom line, um, as a DJ, we try to gather as much information as we can about the couple and what, what they like. Uh, DJ is one of those things where our, our couples come into it with a little bit of expertise. They listen to music, they, uh, 
you know, they, they know what kind of music that they're into, what they like and what they don't like. And so as DJs, we're trying to listen to them um, and really kind of fit the theme, fit their traditions and work that into the night the best we can. Got it. So when you're talking about traditions, like uh, let's talk about the specific one, the family members that are no longer with, what's the best version of that that you've seen? Because the ones that I always thoroughly enjoy is if, if it's like a grandparent and their favorite song was Sweet Caroline, you always play that song and you're, you're going to drink throughout the entire thing. What's the best thing that you've seen? Absolutely. Yeah. I've seen um, some really cool stuff over the years. Um, I've had a, a couple that actually had a um, rendition of her father singing my way by uh, Frank Sinatra. And he was a beautiful singer and we, they had rented a projector and screen. And so I kind of did a little bit of AV work on that as well. And we had a, a nice older video. It wasn't, you know, 1080p perfect quality or anything but he uh he sang my way and uh he was up on the projector and by the end of that kind of the last verse of that song we were everybody was singing you know kind of frank's last part as we closed it out and uh it was the perfect way there was people were crying but they were also laughing and enjoying themselves and i think that's the perfect way to do a tradition like that yeah actually last summer it, it's interesting that you bring that up i had a wedding that i did the same type of deal but it was the father-daughter dance so dad was still around but they danced to a video that they took from a vhs tape because i do know what that is tara they they danced to a video of him singing to his daughter way way back in the day and i don't know that i've ever seen more wet eyes in an entire room but it was a it was a seriously genuinely sweet moment for everything I'll also echo the, the comment about the Greek life songs. Um, I know that, you know, my, Misty and I are both uh, part of Greek organizations and my fraternity definitely has something and she wasn't into the idea as much before the wedding, but it's, it's one of the more cool moments that we had during the dance. And, you know, she ended up being happy that we had that. So the thing that I always tell the couples is even if you don't think that it's going to fly, you have no idea how well it's going to fly and how quickly that'll take everybody back to college, which is a good place when you're trying to throw a good party and stuff. Um, so what's the most interesting, I, I know you mentioned the horror and I mean, I've seen Eastern European weddings, they'll have the silver tassel and they'll kind of go in a circle. What's the, what's the best ethnic tradition that you've seen? Yeah, um, there's a lot that, that I can point to. I, I would say um, I did a, a Middle Eastern wed wedding um, and we did an introduction. And traditionally with, a, you know, an American wedding, we would do an introduction where we would play one song, bring out all the couples, announce the wedding party or, or whatever may have you. Um, but for this wedding, it was about a 30 minute introduction and they had 200 people on the dance floor to kick this party off. They all came into the party, and uh, for the first 30 minutes, we were we were getting down on the floor, and um, it was a lot of fun that whole night. They they loved loud music, a lot of bass, um, and it was a party. So I really enjoyed that that experience for sure. That's great. Before we get out of here, Brandon, what's your best uh, tradition that you've seen a family pull out that just really blew you away that you got to see? Yeah, so I I think right along the lines with Jordan there is that I too did a Middle Eastern wedding, but instead of the bride and groom walking in, they were basically carried in uh, by the groomsmen and such, you know, on, uh, I don't know what it's called, but they were carried in um, on the, uh, I, I don't know what it's called, but anyways, <laughs> carried into the reception. And um, so that one was really cool. And then uh, I did another one where they uh, had uh, flown in basically drummers from Seattle. Again, I believe they were of Middle Eastern descent as well. 
But yeah, kind of like Jordan was saying, it was one of those deals where for 20 minutes, they just banged on these drums and Casey Wolf showed up. And I mean, it was just this big circle party on the dance floor. So those are probably my most memorable ones as well. Got it. Alex, do you have a good one for us? Um, recently, I've uh, in Texas, I've uh, been doing a lot more uh, Hispanic weddings than in Louisiana, um, and I I don't remember the Hispanic name for the tradition, but I know it translates to the snake dance, where um, the bride and groom stand on two chairs, and they'll take the bride's veil and make, like, a tunnel, and it mm -hmm. starts with the, uh, like, the ladies, and they basically form a snake that goes through the tunnel and throughout the dance floor, and they try to push the bride and groom off of the chairs um and then after the ladies go the men go and generally they are successful in pushing the groom off the chair and once they push him off the chair they parade him around like on their shoulders around the dance floor um it i've seen it a couple of times and it is absolutely interesting and so fun to watch every time yep i've done that one a couple of times as well and for the life of me i can't remember what the the name of the yeah, the dance um, is, but it's Pasa de Reo is the song you play, I believe, for, yeah. for that. Yeah, um, my absolute favorite one, if I was getting married again, I didn't know this was a tradition when I did, but I would totally do a barat, which is where the, the groom will ride in before an Indian wedding. And Recording traditionally, stopped. It's, traditionally, it's on a, on a white horse or something to that effect, and you come in and you parade in. But the best one that I got to do, we're right on Lake Michigan. And so the entire guy's side of the wedding party showed up on a boat and I had to time the song for right as they hit the breaker and I, I put on the free willy song and then right as they got off onto the dock I had the traditional song that I was playing and everybody just went nuts and then we had to go up and have a wedding ceremony which required calming a lot of people down in the groom wiping some you know sweat off his face and stuff like that but it was a lot of fun all righty well thank you guys for talking music with me and uh yeah Tara, anything else to add? Well, I definitely have to say to Alex, I'm a little surprised that Michael Bublé did not make it on your list. That was my go-to songs for my wedding day. And he is just romantic all the way. Come on. There's so many more options. I was trying to keep it semi-short. <laughs> no worries. No worries. Well, a big thanks to all of our panel members for this insight and discussion today on these wedding planning topics. So please make sure to everybody to visit everybody from the complete family at completewedo.com. And we hope that you were truly inspired and gathered some information today to help you with your wedding planning journey. And until next time, take care. That concludes our National Wedding Planning Day. Cheers and happy wedding planning. We hope you enjoyed this episode and that you got some helpful insight as you plan the big day. So until next time, I'm Tara with the Complete Wedding Planning Podcast. And I'm Josh. Please make sure to subscribe to our channel and rate and review us if you like what you hear. We are presented by Complete Weddings and Events, your leading provider of photo, video, DJ, photo booth, lighting, and coordination services. Visit completewedo.com for more info. Happy wedding planning!